0: So what has God been speaking to Impact Rock? Faith. He's been stretching our faith. He's been asking Mark and I and the pastors and the leaders, and probably you too, you're not dreaming big enough. Your faith isn't big enough. Sometimes we think, wow, we have this cool idea, and God's like, you know, nicely laughing, like, that's cute. Like, I have this big thing, and you're only, you think this is great, but look. So he's stretching our faith. He's asking us to dream bigger. He's been speaking about the supernatural, which is why we had the healing conference. That was our first one. We've asked um, the powers to come in. Um, We have my cantik coming in before the end of the year, just putting our faith to action with what he's saying. Um, And to trust. A lot of our songs in the last year have been about trust, walking on the water and trusting him in the midst of different things. And relationship. Mark and I... All of us, we're about relationship. That's why we like it here, because it's all about relationship with each other and relationship with him. We cultivate that. We need that. You can hear the buzz of dinners and parties and get-togethers, and I need to see you, and let's have a coffee, and because we're starving to connect with each other. We're starving to connect with our daddy. So as we do all these things, we encounter him, we embrace him, we spend time with him, we enjoy him, we love on him, we invite him in. Relationship, connection, affection, intimacy, and abiding are the words that are on my heart tonight. So John 15, these are the scriptures about the vine. You probably know them. I love these verses, and they have been a good reminder to me since I was a teenager to abide in the vine. John 15, I'm reading out of the New King James. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Sounds a bit repetitive, doesn't it? I actually took this chunk and took all the verses separate and then read them, because I'm like, wait, did he just say that again? Is that a new concept, or did he just say that? And I felt like this is like when I tell my kids something, and I'm like, okay, and then this, and this, and this, and then this. And they're like, whoa, whoa, too much information because I'm repeating myself because it's really important. Okay, listen again. Let me tell you this again, and then I'll tell it a different way, and then I'll remind them, you know, I need you to hear this. And that's what Jesus is doing here. So that word abide means to remain, to act in accordance with, to live with, and to dwell with. So in those six short verses, that was more than six, but in six of them, The word abide is used 10 different times. So he's trying to drive home a point, isn't he? So John 15 was written at the end of Jesus' earthly mission. Many scholars believe that he was with the disciples walking along, and they came across a vine, and he used the opportunity to teach. I think a lot of us do this in our jobs or with our kids. You see something, you're like, okay, while we're looking at this vine, did you know? And we just take that opportunity, and that's what Jesus was doing with the disciples. So again, relationship, connection, affection, intimacy, and abiding. Abide, abide. He had an opportunity to drive this home. And this is what he chose. You think about Jesus at this time. He was getting ready to die on the cross. So he had some final words. He knew this was coming, right? This wasn't a surprise to him. He knew what was ahead of him. And he could have told the disciples anything, right? He could have repeated something he already told them. He could have told them something totally new. And he chose to tell them this. And so to me, that's pretty important. So he reminded them to abide with him always, that it's about intimacy, it's about relationship, to stay connected, to remember where our source of life comes from, to remember that he is the one who sustains us. Isn't that nice that he sustains us? So tonight, my encouragement to you is to make his presence your passion. We get very passionate about lots of things. Football, food, clothes, shoes. I'm talking about you, babe. We get passionate about lots of things, and that's fine. But let's make it our mission to be passionate about our relationship with God. Amen? When we abide in Christ, verse 7 says that our prayers are effective. How cool is that? When we abide with Him, when we are connected with Him, our prayers are effective. Yay! That's good news. When we abide in Him, verse 8 tells us that we glorify God and we bear fruit. Isn't that nice? Do you ever have seasons where you're doing, 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 and you're like, goodness, where's the fruit? Is anything happening? When we abide in Him, we glorify our Father and we bear fruit. Verses 8 through 10, it says that we demonstrate our discipleship. When we abide in Him, we're telling the world who we're connected to. It's obvious. I'm connected to something, something bigger than me, better than me. Have you ever had someone ask you, why are you so happy? Or how can you go through this trial? How can you have a disease? How can you do all these things and you're happy? That makes no sense. It's because they see that. They see that you are abiding in something bigger than yourself. You're connected to a source because on your own, you couldn't do that. You couldn't bear that. You couldn't walk through that with a smile, right? In verse 11, it says, Our joy becomes full through experiencing Christ's own joy within us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When we abide in him, we have joy. Let's turn to Mark 3.14. Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. This is a simple verse, but Jesus calls the disciples to be with him, then, then to go out and preach. So he sent them out to preach, to heal the sick, and cast out demons. Those are pretty cool things, right? Anybody want to do those? Yeah, it's pretty awesome stuff right there. But Jesus told the disciples, you need to come with me first. And after you do that, I'm going to send you out to do all these wonderful things. So that tells me they had nothing to offer on their own. Right? If he said you have to come be with me first, they can go out, they can help people, they can pat them on the back, they can give them a meal. But when it comes to life, that life source of Jesus, that's from Him, right? That source that we give out is Him. We give Him. We're the delivery guy. They had to be in His presence before they could go out and give to anyone else. It's not about going out in authority or leading on our own. It's about first being with Him and then going out in His authority, in His love, with His grace, right? Don't try to lead for God if you're not going to be passionately in love with God? How many times do we go and try to lead and try to do and we're not in love with him? We're missing the first thing. We're skipping to be and wondering why we're stressed and frustrated and it's not working and there's no fruit and we're banging our head up against the wall. I've walked with Jesus my whole life and I still do this. I'm like, why is it that's working? And the Lord's like, hello, come talk to me. We go to him first, and then we can lead others, right? So let's not try to lead for God. Let's try to be in love with God. Our temptation is to make our life about what we do, about doing. This is what I do. And I think as moms and dads and bosses, we have to put on those hats. And so all of a sudden that becomes our identity before we know it. And we're like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. But we're so built to do, but God wants us to be. It's less about doing and more about being, abiding who we are in him. It's more about worshiping than working, right? We make it about working. It should be about worshiping first, right? A.W. Tozer says, here's a quote, We take converts and make them workers we should first make them worshipers, and then the work that flows out of them will have eternity in it. Does that make sense? We get people saved, and then we're like, we'll put you to work, thinking that's kingdom. It's not kingdom. We teach them how to worship and fall in love with Jesus. And then, when they work, the kingdom will just come out of them. That abiding will just flow out of who they are. You don't have to tell them, love on these people right here. They need love. They know the Father, and they're going to go, oh, they need love. You don't have to teach that because they're connected to the vine, right? Right, in Acts 4, you don't have to turn there because I'm kind of going to summarize, but the story of Peter and John in Acts 4, they got arrested for preaching. I love this story. I hadn't read this in a long time. When I read it, I got all fired up. Acts 4, they got arrested for preaching about Jesus, and they healed this guy. So the rulers and all the guys like brought him together and they're like, what power, by what name have you done this? And the Bible says in Acts 4.10, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, this man stands before you whole. Pretty plain and simple. By Jesus, the one you crucified, the one you did all this to, he raised, but this man standing in front of you, the evidence is right here. Jesus, right? So a couple of verses later, Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, and they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Huh. So they're uneducated, right? They are untrained, and they, they realize that. But they also realized that they had been with Jesus. The very guy that they're trying to say can do nothing and they don't want anyone talking about it. But they knew, this man, there's no other way. They realized that he had been, that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Isn't that powerful? So talking about healings and the Spirit of God and doing weird stuff and if you get healed praise god god works in mysterious ways his ways are not our ways let's stop trying to figure it out and just operate in the things that god says right it's awesome so the rulers all got together they went aside um from peter and john in acts 4:16. they say what shall we do with these men indeed that a noble miracle has been been done through them. It's evident to all and we cannot deny it. So as you're at work, pray for people. What if God heals them? Right? And then you get to say, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. And people like these are going to go, it has to be true, this guy couldn't walk yesterday, today he can. Let's let them marvel at our God. Oh, the things that could happen as we abide in him and are in his presence. You, you can't muster up something you don't have. I always tell the worship team, we can only lead the church where we've been. If we have not been in the presence of God, where can we take you? Right? If we're leading, and we, lead, we all go together. It's not like you're... Fa- you know what I mean? We're all going together, but if we're leading the charge... We have had to have been with Jesus. Or where are we taking you? As we're ministering to our co workers and our neighbors and our children and our friends or our family, whoever, how are we going to lead them to Jesus if we haven't been with him? If we don't know his heart, if we don't know what he's saying, if we don't know what he's thinking? This last year I've been asking God, what do you want to say? Instead of just, Jesus, I love you, and all this stuff. Which is great. If I'm thinking about JJ, I will say, God, what do you want to say to JJ? I will be specific. What do you want to do in him? Is there something you want me to tell him? Is there something you want me to pray over him? I have neighbors that I pray over. And then when I see them, because I've spent time with the Lord for them, it's like these things just come out of my mouth. And I'm like, I have no idea where that came. And they're crying. And they're like, thank you so much. And I walk away and I'm like, that was cool, God. It was really cool. Because I've spent time with him. And there's those times I haven't, and I got nothing. I'm like, darn it, Lord, I missed that opportunity. And not that he's not faithful and he doesn't come in on the scene. That's not what I'm saying. But as we abide in him, that presence is there and it's so easily accessible. I'm just going to throw out a couple of verses that I love, love, love. Psalm 63.3 talks about your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. Psalm 84.10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Think about a thousand days. It's a long time. Sometimes five days at work, it's hard, right? And you're like, oh. a thousand days. One day in your courts. It doesn't even say better than a thousand bad days. <laughs> it could be a thousand really good days. But one day with Him is better than a thousand days. Psalm 16:11. In your presence is fullness of joy. I'm probably repeating record, but every time after worship, I'm like, isn't that good? <laughs> You're like, you always say that. I know, but it isn't it good? <laughs> I just love being in his presence. The book of John, you probably know this, is the book of I Am's. John 6.35, Jesus is the bread of life. John 8.12, Jesus is the light of the world. John 10.7, Jesus is the gate. John 10.11, Jesus is the good shepherd. John 11.25, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. John 14, 26, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, 5, Jesus is the vine, which is what we're talking about today. These are all relational. If you read through those, every single one of them is relational. He's relational. He's all about relationship. It's all about us connecting and abiding, pressing in, holding tightly to that source, to our Father. When you're abiding in him, you never get hungry because he's the bread. When you're abiding in him, even in the darkness, you have light because he is the light of the world. When you're lost, broken, tired, rejected, discouraged, you have the good shepherd to lead you, scoop you up, tend to your wounds, throw you over his shoulder, and carry you through. When you are abiding in Him, you have resurrection life and freedom. If you've ever been set free from something, whoo, that is good stuff. You have an all-access pass to God the Father because you are in relationship with His Son. The way, the truth, and the life. When you abide in the vine, you will have a fruitful life and have joy. Like verse 11 says, His joy will remain in you that your joy may be full. Full, but it comes in remaining in Him. We can't fill that up ourselves, and we try. We try to put lots of stuff in there to make us feel happy and joyful, but abiding in Him is where our joy becomes full. We are productive, victorious, abounding, thriving, motivated. We have momentum. All of these things, we have them because we're connected to the vine, we're connected to the source. When we abide in him, it's like that oil and those nutrients go straight from him, the source, straight to the core of who we are. Have you ever had those seasons where you're like, life isn't great, but somehow life is great because you're connected to him? You know, I think we go through different seasons. You're like, this is a really hard season, but somehow I'm okay because I've got Jesus. Like, he's just like right here. And not that you're like, yay, this is hard. (laughs) I love this, you right? But no, but it's okay because he's like right there and you're connected to that source. So as I was studying, I just saw the Lord wanting to give us an invitation tonight. An invitation to abide with him. Think about that. He's giving you an invitation. Hey, would you come abide with me? I'm requesting your presence. Saturday, August 30th, whatever time it is. I'm not going to tell you because you might be hungry. I'm inviting you. Come abide in my presence. I want you to grab a hold of that invitation to be connected with him. If you would, just take a minute and close your eyes. Picture that invitation from the Lord. Lord with your name on it, addressed. He knows your name. He's written you an invitation. He just wants to be with you. So he's handwritten an invitation, saying, come abide with me. Come be with me. Would you like to have coffee? Could you come and chat with me? I really miss you. I want to spend time with you. I want to show you some things. I want to speak to you. I want to pour out my love and just lather all over you. I want to be with you. Grab a hold of that invitation tonight. He's asking you to come. He's asking you to abide with him and to dwell with him, to remain in him. Sometimes in order to grab a hold of that, we have to reject independence from God. Sometimes we try to be independent from him and do it our way. You can open your eyes. So David, we all know David. He understood living in the presence, didn't he? He was a wild man, too. In the Psalms, he says, My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. The heart part, I get that. My heart cries out for God. The flesh part, I don't know. Has it happened to you? The heart, His heart and flesh cried out, maybe. Like, what does that look like? Usually my flesh wants to, like, do something else. <laughs> my heart and flesh cries out for you, living God. And First Samuel, I love, this is a story we've all learned since we were little, the David and the Goliath story. And he talks about, you know, I killed the lion and, and the bear, and God gave me them, and so... Everyone's telling him how big Goliath is, right? He's a big giant. He's really, really big. Did I tell you? He's really, really big. And all he keeps telling them is about his God. He's like, I already, did you not hear me? I already, God already gave me the lion and the bear. Goliath is really, really big. And they're scared, and they're just, he's really big. And all he could say was, my God is really big. Like, no capra right? I don't know what you're saying. That's all he could say was, my God is really big. And so when he goes, in that, in that story, it dawned on me that he is not differentiating between the lion, the bear, and Goliath. He's not like, Goliath is really big, the lion was a little smaller. His only common denominator in the three was God was really big. He didn't see that Goliath was bigger. Like, even when they said that, it wasn't registering. He's like, my God is really big. They They were the same because he's comparing it to God. So as we have things come and we're abiding with him, whether it's you got a little owie or you got a bad report from the doctor, our God is really big. I told you he's really big. Yeah, but our reports say that he's my, did I tell you my God is really big? He already healed my owie. He's got it. It's my daddy. It seems silly, but that's, that's the way he approached it. And what happened? When he went and he slung that little rock, and then the Bible says that he ran. Because Goliath went down. The Bible said after that he ran. He wasn't like, okay. He's down. Let's see. Okay, attack. He didn't call everyone. I was like, go, go attack him. I got him down. He, he ran over there to finish it, make sure. He's gone. He's a, He's dead. And look at what my God did. He's really big. Right? When we abide in the vine, the giant isn't any bigger than the lion or the bear. The losses, the death of things, the diseases, the whatever's that are really big are any bigger than the smaller things because it's about God. Where's our focus? Are we abiding in the vine? Is God really big? Or is the bear really big? Is the giant really big? Right? Amen. So back to verse 1 in John 15. The vine dresser. He's the one who takes care of the vine to nurture, trim, defend, He defends the vine, and he has a really deep interest in the growth and maturity of the vine. He is our vine dresser, so he's really concerned in us. Isn't that beautiful? He is really concerned, so when something comes up, he defends us. He holds us. He tends to us. He prunes us, which isn't really fun, but it's good. He takes care of us when he needs to move some stuff around Make sure we have enough light. Make sure we're protected from the weather. Whatever it is, that's him. He's our vine dresser. He takes care of us. And not only that, he appointed his son to be the source of every good thing. Every good thing, right? Those nutrients. Just picture a plant or a vine. Those nutrients are just coming straight down to you. Straight down to you. As long as you're connected, right? If you get disconnected, you're not going to get them. Ryan, would you come on up for me, please? Thank you. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me to the way everlasting. Let's search our hearts tonight. Are we abiding in the vine? It doesn't matter on the season, guys. It's really easy to abide when life is good. Yay, God! And we're just like, Yoo-hoo! But we have to abide every day. Every day. Because He's worthy. He's our life source. like clockwork every day. Every day. Every day. Abiding with our Jesus. If you keep my commandments, it says towards the end of those verses, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy will remain full i just want to encourage us we've gone through a whole season where we did james and we matured and we grew and we got challenged There there's things that he was pointing out bringing out in scripture and stuff that god was showing me and i was like that doesn't feel good i don't like that <laughs> that makes me have to grow that makes me have to confront sin in my life that makes me have to you know press in or whatever but then i press in and i be obedient and i'd go you know what i think i just matured a little i'm not perfect i'm still growing every minute but i'm constantly trying to stay connected because i find when i do that things are better my kids are better my marriage is better my relationships are better So I just want to encourage us tonight. Stay connected to the vine. I think we could read this passage and preach this message all the time. Preach it to ourselves. Abide. Abide. Are you abiding? Are you abiding? We should start asking each other. Are you abiding? How's your relationship with God? Are you connected? And if you aren't, get connected. It's super easy. You just cry out to God in your car. You could be wherever you want. God, I'm sorry. I want to stay connected to you, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Whatever it is, lay it at his feet. You're connected. And then stay there. Abide there. Live there. Dwell there, right? I know you guys know this, but we need reminders. Abiding in the vine.